Good morning, Southern Hills Free Church. Welcome. So glad that you are here with us, especially those of you who are new. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dirk Jaspers. I serve as a pastor and elder here. And if you are new, would love a chance to meet you. I'll be in the back of the at the end of the service. Please say hi. We'd be happy to answer any questions you have about our church or even more importantly, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you would please turn in your Bibles to our passage this morning, it is Psalm 100. If you are new or unfamiliar with the Bible, the Psalms are the longest book and they're kind of right in the middle. So if you open a Bible in the pew in front of you, you should be able to find your way there. I want to ask a question. Maybe it's a question you've thought about. Maybe it's a question you haven't. And that question is this. Why do we worship? Why do we take time out of our day on Sundays to come here and to sing? Why do we take time to pray to God on Sundays and throughout the week? Why do we live our lives as lives of worship, as Paul puts it? Why do we do this? Why is it important? Does it matter? Are there reasons for it? Well, I want to suggest to you that Psalm 100 shows us perhaps one of the core and maybe the primary reason why we worship the Lord. And that is that we worship the Lord out of thanksgiving. We are grateful for who God is, for what he has done for us in the past in saving us, and what he continues to do for us as our God. And so this psalm is a call, it is a summons to grateful worship of the Lord. We should praise the Lord out of gratitude for who he is and what he does. So would you please stand if you're able for the reading of God's word from Psalm 100. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, but follow along in whatever version you have. It's a short psalm. A psalm for giving thanks. The psalmist writes, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our psalm this morning is a call to worship. It is a summons that is meant to call us to worship the Lord. It was likely originally used at times of worship of God in the temple in the Old Testament, and so it would likely have been sung at the beginning of the worship time, at the beginning of the worship service. And it begins with a call to give thanks to God, verses 1 through 2. That call is then repeated in verse 4, but it's not just a how or here's what you should do. The psalm also shows us why we should give thanks to the Lord. It answers the how question in verses 1 through 2 and verse 4, but it also answers the why question in verses 3 and 5. But first, the how. 
The psalm begins with three commands. Make a joyful noise, serve, and come into God's presence. The psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. So he's summoning all of the earth, all the nations of the earth, to make literally a joyful shout to God, to make an exuberant call of praise to the Lord. Now, it's important that he is calling us to make a joyful noise to the Lord. If you look in your Bibles, is LORD in all caps? Most of your Bibles? Yeah. So we've talked about this previous weeks, but that's really important. So in the Bible, often in the Old Testament especially, you'll see the word LORD translated in all caps. That means that this is a translation of the divine name, Yahweh the name by which God had revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the name by which he revealed himself to Moses, the name by which he saved Israel and made them his people in the Exodus. And so this is not a call for worship of God in the generic. It is not just a call to make a joyful noise to an abstract God. This is a call for all of the earth to make a joyful noise to Yahweh, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Old Testament, the God who reveals himself to us in the New Testament in Jesus Christ. It is a call for all of the earth to worship Israel's God, the one true God, the God who says, I am who I am. It is a call for all the earth to worship the one true God, to make a joyful shout to him. But the psalm continues. He says, serve the Lord. Again, this is Yahweh. Serve Yahweh with gladness. He's calling all the earth, but also Israel specifically, to come and to worship God. And the way this worship is presented is as a form of service. Is that how you think about worship? This word serve is a word that is used throughout the Bible to refer to worship. It's also the word for references to household servants elsewhere in the Old Testament. And there was this idea that worship is, in a way, work. It is something that we as God's people are called to devote ourselves to. It is something we work hard at. It is something we strive to do regularly and well. It is something we offer to God as his servants. But it is not burdensome work. It is not drudgery work. It is not sad and difficult and burdensome work. The psalmist says, serve the Lord, but do so, how? With gladness. So he's saying, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing, the psalmist says. Literally, enter before the face of God with loud, ringing singing. This word for singing has connotations of singing that is echoing or reverberating. So he's saying when you're coming into the temple, be singing so loud that it's bouncing off the walls and off the chairs. You don't need any microphones in the ancient world in this situation. He's saying, make a joyful shout, serve the Lord, offer your lives and your worship to him with gladness. Come into his presence with singing that is so loud that it's bouncing off the walls. This is a picture of worship of God that is heartfelt, that is expressive, that points to God 
as the one worthy of worship that rejoices and does so in obvious and clear ways. This is not a call for God's people to act like frozen chosen who just sort of go about it because they have to, but there's no smile on their face, there's no song in their hearts. This is a call for joyful thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout, he says. Serve with gladness, the psalmist says. Enter into the presence of God with loud singing, the psalmist says. Not with cowering, not with terror. Enter into the very presence of God with singing. This is a beautiful picture of how we should give thanks to the Lord with joyful hearts, with glad hearts that express that joy and that gladness. But why should we do this? Why should we make a joyful noise? Why should we serve with gladness? Why should we come into God's presence with singing? Why should we give thanks? Well, the psalmist gives us reasons why beautiful, glorious, heart-lifting reasons in verse 3, where we are shown that the Lord, Yahweh, is God, and we are His people. The psalmist in verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. This is the fourth command in this passage, after make a joyful noise, serve, enter, Now it is no. He wants his audience, he wants God's people to know something. And what is that? That the Lord, that Yahweh, he is God. He wants God's people to orient their hearts to worship the one and only true God. Worship that is directed to the wrong things or the wrong people is not true worship. And the psalmist wants God's people to be worshiping Him and Him alone. Now, if we've heard this psalm a lot, we might sort of gloss over this line, know that the Lord, He is God. But in the original psalm, this is the core of the message. This is not just saying ducks are waterfowl, the Lord is God, sort of just a tautology, just a repeated statement. He is making a radical, exclusive claim about who is deserving of worship. He's saying, the Lord is the one true God, and no other gods are. You see, the word again, Lord, it's in all caps. It's the specific name for Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God who revealed himself in the Exodus, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's saying, Yahweh is God. The word God here, on the back end of the first line of verse 3, is a more general word for God, for the high God. And in Israel's world, much like our world, there were many competing voices that said, you should worship this God, you should worship this thing, you should worship Baal, or you should worship Marduk, or in our world, you should worship sex, or you should worship other religions. And often for the Israelites, they were being faced with all of these pressures about who's the real God? Is it Yahweh? the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Is it Baal? Is it Marduk, the God of the Babylonians? Who's the true God? And there was constantly pressure to worship other gods other than the other false gods, other than the one true God, Yahweh. 
In fact, we see this even in the names of some of the characters in the Bible. So, Elijah. It's the word El, the generic word for God, and Yah, the word for Yahweh. His name, his parents literally named him God is Yahweh. Not God is Baal, God is Yahweh. Or Micah, one of the prophets, his name means who is like Yahweh. So it was such a heated issue in their culture that they were even naming their kids in order to remind their children and remind those in their community that there is one God and one God only worthy of worship, and that is Yahweh. And here the psalmist is saying the same thing. He's saying, know that Yahweh, he is El. Know that Yahweh, he is God, not Baal, not Asherah, not Marduk. There is one God worthy of your worship, Israel. And it is Yahweh alone. And so the psalmist is trying to focus the worship of God's people on God and on God alone. And we need to get this straight in our own hearts as well. There is only one God. There's only one God worthy of our worship. There is only one God worthy of your life. That is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Old Testament, the God who delivers us from death, the God who revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the one true God. He is the one who is worthy of our worship. And not just our worship of those who already believe in Him, but the worship of the whole earth. Remember, he begins with, Make a joyful noise to Yahweh, all the earth. And so it's a summons for all the nations of the world, for all of creation, to worship Israel's God, to worship Yahweh. And this, again, was a radical statement in the days of ancient Israel because many of the nations around them had these conceptions that there are different gods. There's gods for the people of Phoenicia. There's gods for the people of Babylonia. And Israel, you can have your little god Yahweh over here, but we don't need to worship him because we're not part of your people. Or there would be gods of the mountains and gods of the valleys. But here the psalmist says there is one god, and he is worthy of all worship, and that god is Yahweh. And so all the earth, not just Israel, is summoned to worship Him. So our worship needs to be rightly directed. It needs to be worshiped that is directed to God alone. But the news that Yahweh is God is also tremendously good news for God's people who follow Him. It is a reason to give thanks because Yahweh is God. And it is He, verse 3, who made us, the psalmist says. He says, Yahweh is the God of the whole world, and He made us His people. We are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Here the psalmist again is saying, we, Israel, in the Old Testament, and now in the New Testament, it would be all those who are following Christ, we are God's special people. The God of all the earth, the psalmist says, has chosen us. The God of all the earth has made us a people. Here he's drawing on language from the Exodus where God said, once you were not a people, but now I am making you a people. I'm making you my people. Once you were not even numerous enough to be numbered among the nations, God says in Exodus, but now you are going to be my special treasured possession. And so the psalmist is delighting in this. He's saying, God took us from nothing and made us his special people. God took us who could not save ourselves from slavery in Egypt, who could not do anything, and made us his. We are his people. 
and he loves us. We are the sheep of his pasture. The one true God who created the world, who is deserving of all praise. He loves us, the psalmist says. He's made us his people by his grace. He has saved us and we are his. And he watches over us like a good shepherd. And so that's why we should make a joyful noise if we belong to him. That's why we should serve him with gladness. He loves us. He has saved us. He cares for us. That is why we can come into his presence with singing. Because he is God. He is worthy of our worship. But he has also made us his people. And that is a special and joyful place to be. Friends, that is the reality for us if we believe in Christ. That once we were not a people, to quote the words of Peter, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. We could not save ourselves. We were not beautiful and glorious, and God saved us for that reason. God saved us by His grace. He plucked us out of the clutches of sin and death and made us His. And He loves us. And we are His people together and the sheep of His pasture. And so we have good reason to make a joyful shout. We have good reason to serve the Lord all of our days with gladness. We have good reason to come into his presence, not cowering in terror, but delighting in our status as his children and doing so with joyful singing that is so joyful that it's bouncing off the walls. We should give thanks to the Lord because he is God and we, if we are trusting in Christ, are his people. And that is good news. So the psalmist says, give thanks because the Lord is God and we are his people. But then he returns to this theme of giving thanks in verse 4. Verses 1 and 2, he talks about singing, making a joyful noise, serving. And now he describes God's people entering further and further in to God's presence. Verse 4, he says, Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This was a reference to the temple in Israel's day. The temple had massive gates, massive doors, and you would have to enter into them in order to enter into the temple. And so the psalmist is calling, he's saying, there's this procession of joyful noise and glad singing, and he's saying, come on in, enter into the gates of God's place, enter into God's Presence with thanksgiving, giving thanks for who God is, giving thanks for what he has done. Enter into his gates with grateful hearts. Enter into his presence with thankful praise. Enter in even further than the gates. Enter into his courts with praise, the psalmist says. In the temple, the gates were the outside part, but you would enter into the gates and then there would be various courts. And as you would go into the courts, you would get closer and closer to the place in that day where God's presence was most clearly felt. And so he's saying, enter in, come before God, enter further and further into his presence. And as you do so, give thanks. As you do so, praise God. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, the psalmist says. Again, This is gratitude language, right? Thanksgiving, give thanks. But it's also worship. Bless His name is a reference to honor Yahweh. 
That's the name of God. So he's, he's been making this point. He's already said Yahweh's name three times. He says, bless the name of Yahweh. Honor Yahweh. Honor the one true God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. You're singing so loud, it's bouncing off the gates. You're singing so loud, it's bouncing off of the walls of the courts. And again, why? Well, because of the reasons he gave in verse 3, that the Lord is God and we are his people, but even more so, verse 5, because of the type of God that God is. Because the Lord is good to his people. Now, the reality of verse 3, that the Lord is God and we are his people, could be a bad thing if the Lord were a different type of God. If he were a Zeus, or a Marduk, or a Baal, who would abuse, or attack, or take advantage of those under his care. If Yahweh was a God like that, it wouldn't necessarily be good news that we are his people. But the psalmist says, Yahweh is good. Yahweh is righteous, he's holy, he does nothing wrong. He is good, and he is good to us, his people, the psalmist says. He is a God of steadfast love. This word steadfast love is one we've seen. We saw it in Psalm 23 a couple of weeks ago, where David rests his hope on Yahweh's steadfast love. It was a word that refers to God's faithful love in relationship. His faithful love to his covenant people. It was the word that God uses to describe his own character when Yahweh reveals himself to Moses and to God's people in the Exodus. When he describes his own character, this is the word he uses. He says, I am Yahweh, Yahweh, abounding in steadfast love. And so the psalmist is drawing on that and he's saying, the Lord is good and he is a God who is faithful in relationship, who loves his people. And he won't just love us today, the psalmist says. This isn't just a past love. It is a steadfast love, verse 5, that endures forever. It says the Lord's love is never going to change. The Lord's love is not going to go away. The Lord's love is not something that's here today and gone tomorrow. It's not a fickle love. It's not an unfaithful love. It's not a love that will die out after a period of time. The psalmist says the Lord is good and his steadfast love, his covenant love endures forever. Today, tomorrow, the day after that, week, year, decade, century, millennia. It's never going to end, the psalmist says. For the Lord is good. This is who he is. This is his steadfast love. Notice the psalmist here is not saying we are always going to keep our end of the deal. He's not saying that God's love is dependent on who we are. He's saying God's love is because of who he is. He is the good one. He is the one whose steadfast love endures forever. And furthermore, verse 5, his faithfulness endures to all generations. This could also be translated, his truthfulness continues to all generations. The psalmist says God will keep his promises to his people. God will not let us down. God will not turn away from us. God will not fail to follow through on who he says he will be and what he says he will do for us. He says, Yahweh is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations, to us, 
to the children, to the grandchildren, on and on and on. And so the psalmist says, not only is Yahweh God, Yahweh is good. Not only has Yahweh made us his people, but he will be good to us as his people. And so because we know who Yahweh is, because we know his steadfast love, because we know his faithfulness, we can rejoice. We can enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We should enter into his courts with praise. We should give thanks to him and we should praise his name. Because this is the sort of God that he is. A God who is worthy of all of our worship. A God who is worthy of all of our lives. A God who is deserving of praise because of who he is. Because of what he does for his people. Because of his faithfulness and steadfast love. And so, friends, if we are trusting in Christ, let us make a joyful noise to this God. Let us serve Him with gladness. Let us come into His presence with singing. Our worship of Him should be marked by these things. You see, if we truly believe that Yahweh is God and that He is the God that the Scriptures say that He is, this should be our response. One of our values as a church, we have it here on the light acronym, is true worship. That we want to worship rightly. That we want to worship God for who He is. That we want to worship Him in the ways that He calls us to worship in the Scriptures. And friends, that doesn't just mean we get all the right words right and we sing things that are doctrinally accurate, although it should include that. The psalmist cares about that. He cares that we worship Yahweh and not Baal. But it also means that our worship should be rightly responding. Worship is more than just a head thing. It is a heart thing. And if we are to worship God truly, our hearts need to be aligned to Him. Our lives need to be aligned with Him. We need to see who He is in His Word and respond to Him the way that the Psalms respond to Him. We can get everything right. We can have all our doctrinal I's dotted and our T's crossed and still fail to worship God truly. We need to worship Him with joy and with thanksgiving. But we can do so because that's who He is. If we do really see who He is and we do truly believe that He is who He says He is, this should be the natural response. This should produce joyful, thankful worship in our hearts. Because Yahweh is God. And He has made us His people through Jesus. We are His. He does watch over us like the sheep of His pasture. And He is good. So my encouragement would be that as we gather every Sunday, that we worship with thanksgiving. That as you're reading your Bible throughout the week or in your small groups or in Sunday school, as you see who He is, respond with thankful hearts. As we look at His majesty in His Word, let it move us and propel us to worship of Him that rejoices in who He is and what He has done for us. And let it create in us a grateful confidence that He will continue to be who He has said He is, that He will continue to be that for us for all time, and that He will not change. So worship Him. Give thanks to Him. He is worthy of it. Let us pray together. 
Our Father, we give thanks to you for who you are. We make a joyful noise to you. We ask that all the earth would come to know you and join us in that song. We want to serve you here on Sunday mornings, but throughout all of our lives with gladness. We want to sing for your glory. Help us to see and to remember and to believe that you alone are God, that you alone are worthy of our worship. We thank you that you have made us, that we are yours, that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. And so we enter into your gates with thanksgiving, we enter into your courts with praise, we give thanks to you, we bless your name, for you, O Lord, are good, and your steadfast love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues to all generations. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.